From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up Presents, the Sunday uh, Sprint with Danny Flecka. Um, it's Saturday, um, December 19th, 2020, the opening day of the PNC Championship, also known as the Father-Son, as Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods take the national stage for the first time. But we're here to not talk about that. We're here with Danny Flecka to talk about other stuff. Good morning, Danny. Um, here we are in the precipice of the uh, college football selection show tomorrow at noon, and we have a team in Notre Dame that is threatening a boycott of the semifinal if they get to the Rose Bowl and if that game cannot have family members in attendance. Um, I, a, I can't see this happening. B, I think this just speaks to the antiquated... Um, stature of some of these bowl games that are locked into time slots and don't want to move or have deals with cities. And look, everybody knows that there's a great prestige and a long-standing history involving the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, but there's times that you've got to move and there's a just no... Um, momentum whatsoever to make a one-year move if necessary to ensure that one of the prime football programs in this country, Notre Dame, can make it to the national championship game. Yeah, and the first step, though, is to get Notre Dame into the college football playoff. You know, that's still uh, a probability that they don't make it for whatever reason. But, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, this year specifically has involved so much of things that we don't want, so much, you know, moving around, uh, flexibility, whatever whatever term you want to use. And it's not necessarily the Rose Bowl's fault that they are located in a county right now that is unfortunately seeing a spike in their cases and has forced them to take measures that would, you know, eliminate gatherings of people. At the same time, if you're Brian Kelly, and what a lot of these programs have done is, you know, they're saying, like, listen, we have sacrificed so much, our players have sacrificed so much, an opportunity for them of a lifetime wait, and they can't even share that with their families, let alone, you know, they're not asking for the stadium to be packed, they're asking for their families to be there. And I don't think it's a big ask, to be honest with you. And I, I think it should have the college football playoff committee at the beginning of the season saying, listen, we have our site. This is going to be an ongoing thing. We want to make sure that we do programs right by our, our players. And if the opportunity comes up where we have to move it, you know, we're going to have backup sites um, on the docket that we're going to work with you know, the local municipalities, et cetera, to make sure that we're able to, to, to get the game going. And that's not something that they did. And there could be a number of reasons for that. But I think, you know, for a college football playoff, you know, you're seeing games today played in Texas with fans. You're seeing games played in Atlanta, that's the championship game with fans. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, the ACC championship game will have, if they're having fans or not. But you're going to an environment where you're allowed to have fans and your family there in these, in these championship games. Is that in the semifinal where, you know, one area, one team, you know, two teams will have possibly the opportunity to have fans and family there and the two other teams will not. So, I, I, you know, I just don't understand why there can't be a possible shuffle there. 
but you know, it, to me, at the end of the day, it all comes down to money, and, and you know, no one's gonna balk at, at a big paycheck coming their way. Um. Now, you said something a second ago that is of interest to me, which is that you are not sure if Notre Dame is in if they lose today? You just never know. I don't know what this college football playoff committee this year is necessarily looking at, you know, as far as, you know, what it is, um, you know, that qualifies for a team to get in there. I mean, you look at the spread today, Notre Dame beat Clemson, even though it was about Trevor Lawrence, they beat them, they punched them in the mouth a couple of times, and they took them down to the wire, and were six-point dogs at home. And there's nothing from that game that shows that Notre Dame is any worse of a team. If anything, they've gotten better as the season has gone along, and they come in today at 10-point underdogs. You know, there could be a scenario today where Texas A&M wins, Notre Dame gets their butt beat, and Clemson, you know, Clemson jumps up ahead of them. Ohio State beats Northwestern, and then maybe Texas A&M is thrown in there. You just never know. Or maybe even Cincinnati, you know. It's one of those things where I think the determination right now of, of who's in there is still up in the air, and a lot of it hinges, I think, on that Clemson-Notre Dame game. I, I think Ohio State wins today, and I think that they're in. I think even if Alabama loses today, they're in. And then, you know, from there, we'll, we'll see what Clemson their name do. But yeah, I still think it's up in the air for both those teams today. For those who are listening to this before 4 p.m., which is the tip of the ACC championship game, you'll see it on ABC Live around the, uh, around the country. Uh, what is the key to this game? Clemson is 10-point uh, favorites. I assume that's the Trevor Lawrence effect. He obviously was not uh, in that game the first time around when that game was played. In South Bend, this is on a neutral site. It's in Charlotte. Um, what is the key to this game, and what will ultimately decide it in your mind? I think it comes down to Notre Dame's offensive line and defensive line. Can they control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball? You know, they're they're going to be a running team. They have been a running team. They have some dynamic running backs. They want to hand the ball off at least 25 to 30 times a game. Um, you know, on top of that, you have Ian Book, who has the opportunity to scramble. So I think if Notre Dame is able to get to 150, 170 rushing yards, it means that they've controlled the game, they're controlling the tempo, they've had some long sustained drives, and then on the other side, if they're able to contain the line of scrimmage with their defensive line in their, in their front seven, and in the first game, ETN didn't do much. He was, you know, Bob able to have it played. And then, you know, they're able to get pressure on the quarterback. So I think if they're able to do that, contain ETN again, you know, really force Trevor Lawrence to win the game on his own. You know, granted, Trevor Lawrence is a phenomenal player, um, but I would rather have Trevor Lawrence throw the ball 40, 50 times a game than ETN run for 150 yards. So I, I think that if Notre Dame can control both lines of scrimmage, this game is going to be close. And I do think it's going to be a close game because Notre Dame's defense is really, really good. And I think they have the opportunity to contain Lawrence. You know, is it enough? I don't know. Obviously, it would have been nice to see them play play against each other earlier this year. But I think, you know, what you're going to get today is a very similar game to what we saw back in October. Um, I think it's going to be an explosive game. I think both teams have a lot of skilled players. But I think if Notre Dame wants to win this game, they're going to have to control the clock, control the line, line of scrimmage and be able to run the ball effectively. We're talking to Danny Flecky here on Teeing It Up. Danny, as somebody who has played flag football to a very effective level, um, and as somebody who has a play sheet and takes this very seriously because you love this game, and then as 
<coughs> excuse me, and then as somebody who just enjoys watching football from an X's and O's perspective, how, how much more advantageous would this be for both sides if Trevor Lawrence had played the first time around? Or is it more in the sense of... Um, is this, an, is, is this an advantage for Clemson in the sense that this is the same Notre Dame team that they faced, whatever it was, you know, two months ago, a month and a half ago? Or is it, you know, just who knows what wrinkle they'll throw out and that would throw out any advantage the Clemson defense would have on the Notre Dame offense or vice versa? Yeah, I think it's tough, right? Because Clemson, since that Notre Dame game, has kind of been on cruise control. Um, so they haven't really had to extend a lot of energy or you know, dive deep into their playbook to win some of these games. Um, Notre Dame, on the other hand, has, has had some tougher games since then, uh, but again, still, most of it's been a cakewalk for them. So I think it would have been you know, more advantageous for Notre Dame to have seen Warren in the sense that you get an opportunity to feel what he's going to be like in you know, pressure moments, you know, what types of plays they like to run in certain situations with him. You know, granted, when they played Clemson at a freshman QB, so maybe some of the some of the plays they ran, like on a third and seven, with a freshman QB, are going to be completely different than they run with Trevor Lawrence. So I think that's where maybe uh, you know the advantage coming understanding the types of formations and, and play call that you see in certain down and distances with Trevor Lawrence at QB. Um, but I, I don't know. If, if it really makes that much of a difference, you know, with all the cases out there on both teams. So I think that might have been, might be like the only thing that you could come away if you're Notre Dame and say, man, I wish we would have known. And this third down and seven situations from the 40, what types of formations they would be running with Trevor Lawrence out on the field. But again, I think there's enough tape out there to see, you know, what it's, what, what it's going to be like for them. But I think Notre Dame would have had a little bit of an advantage understanding that. But other than that, I think it's going to, it would have been a, a washout because, you know, you see that in the NFL all the time when teams play each other for the second time or third time, whatever it is, it's always so much harder for the team that won previously to win again. So I think it's going to be something similar again today. Danny Flecker with us on teeing it up. Uh, let's let's flip to the NFL because there are two games today, uh, Thursday night specials. I, I know you love Thursday night football Saturday editions, Danny. Those are the ones that get you very excited. It would if I didn't have other games to watch. I, I think the college play today, Trump, the NFL is throwing out there. No, I am totally with you on that in all seriousness. So we look at these two games, and they're important games for the, for the teams involved um, in them um, for seeding one of the two teams. Uh, Denver is not going to be a factor here. It's Buffalo against Denver. Buffalo traveling to altitude, we always talk about, is that a difficult task? You look at that game today at 4.30. Is there any reason for any football uh, fan that is not a fan of those two teams to be tuning into this game? Is there any reason? And this fancy football implication uh, definitely happening tonight with some big-time players going. Um, you know, But I think if you're a fan of the NFL, the one thing you want to watch tonight is and Buffalo keeps going. You know, they've had some big wins the last couple of weeks going to, you know, Arizona and beating San Francisco in prime time, going to 
you know, going home and then beat Pittsburgh in prime time. This is their third straight nationally televised game. And for people that haven't watched Buffalo a lot, um, you know, it's been a treat to see them play. And they've got something good going up there. But this might be a classic letdown game for them, you know, playing an underachieving Denver team um, on the road in Denver, which, which we know is a tough place to play, with another primetime game for them next week on Monday night against the Patriots. So, you know, they've had four weeks in a row here where they'll be on nationally televised games. And, you know, they're still fighting for, for playoff positioning. So this game is really, really important for them. And it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it, how they do, knowing that, you know, this opportunity for them hasn't come around in a long time. And they have a team right now that can potentially do something in the playoffs. And then you have Green Bay playing at, at, uh, at 8.30. And that's another important game for them, too. They have to keep winning if they want to get that number one seed and have the playoffs go through Lambeau. You know, New Orleans has a tough game on Sunday, so this game is really, really important for them to build that lead up so they can get that number one seed. And to that end, the snow game tonight, potentially in Green Bay, 35 degrees, totally different if you're in a dome in New Orleans um, for the NFC Championship game. So as, as uh, Giant fans like you know very well, um, Lambeau come, come, in, come NFC Championship week can be an interesting uh, uh, place, see what, 2007, I think that was? Was that the one that had the NFC Championship game in, uh, in at Lambeau, or was it the uh, second time around? It was, 2000, it was a 2007 season, in 2000, but it was played in 2008. Yes, yes, the uh, Tom Coughlin, uh, are, it is his face okay game, because <laughs> of how cold his cheeks were during that game. Um from a, a fantasy perspective, um, does the fact that there's a short week for some of these teams impact your, your decision, or is this just riding with whoever you got, especially if you're in the semis? Yeah, you got to ride with who you got. You know, there are some injuries that you have to keep monitoring. You know, I thought Michael Thomas is going to be out this week. Alex Smith is going to be out. So if you have any Washington skill players, you know, they get downgraded a bit. But at this point in the season, you know, you're, you're usually going to be reliant on the people that have got you there um, with some minor tweaks here and there if you're playing matchups with kickers or with defenses or, or tight ends, whatever it may be. But, you know, it's just one of those things where at this point in the season, it's really what you've got is what you have, and maybe you find something out there, but usually those players are probably snatched up too that you want to look at. So... It's just making sure that you've done a good job managing your roster and throwing out players that you have that have to match up with me. Uh, as you know, Danny, we always try to interrupt this with a, a fun question. So we have a 17-point line for Rams-Jets. And I had somebody ask me yesterday, will the Jets cover? I said, they'll cover for three quarters. And the person went, yeah, but that bet's not available. I need to know if they'll cover for the entire game. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, the Jets are horrible. We know this. They are going to lose this game to the Rams at some point. Um, but can they cover? I don't think so. I think the Rams' defense is too good. I think that offensively the Rams are just going to run it and use play action to open things up for themselves. I just don't know what the Jets have left in the tank, to be honest with you. And, I mean, it shows you last week they went to Seattle. 
They missed the fucking field goal. They weren't able to score touchdowns. They gave up 40 points. I think we're looking at a very similar situation this week. Unfortunately, I do. Um, ever since I told you that the Giants got flexed to Sunday night, you were not happy. And you have not been happy every day since. <laughs> Looking towards this game against the Browns, a huge game for both teams. Tomorrow night on Sunday Night Football, you have been skeptical from the get-go about this game. So I'm just going to lay out here, why are you so skeptical? You know, when you have a team that's playing well and they're flying under the radar, the last thing you want them to do is to start getting praise, especially for a team that's not used to it, like the Giants. And it's not that I don't believe in them or anything else like that. It's just that I thought that they were finding themselves in a very difficult position after the Seattle game with no Daniel Jones, um, you know, at 100%. And we saw exactly what we saw on Sunday happen that, you know, happens to a team that isn't there, that hasn't been there before, that is fighting for something they haven't fought for in a long time, and are undermanned. And I think the Giants just find themselves right now in a precarious position because you want the opportunity to fight for the playoffs. You probably know that your team's not good enough to do it regardless, but you know, you owe it to yourself to see what you can do. And I think that's what they did last week. You know, they, they found themselves in a spot where they thought they had a winnable game. They were able to make some plays. You know, the first drive of the game, I knew it was a loss. You know, I, I saw Daniel Jones back there. Every All the passes were short. He wasn't sitting in the pocket. Um, you know, he got sacked, fumbled on, on, the, on third or fourth drop back, and I knew it was trouble from there. And now you see that, obviously, he picked up another injury during that game. Uh, Bradbury's on, on the COVID list, and Jason Garrett is on the COVID list. I just think there's too many factors right now playing against, against the Giants for them to be able to go on Sunday and, and win that game. You know, Cleveland has done, you know, has laid eggs in the past before, but I just think that they're... They are just a better team right now, and I think we'll see that on Sunday night. Unless, again, if the Giants pull a miracle out of their behind and are able to, to keep that game close, I, I just don't know if I see it. You have Freddie Kitchens now calling the plays, and he's somebody that he's facing his former team. Is that any kind of an advantage that could help in this situation? I don't think so. Just because they're a different team, um, you know, it's just a different, it's just, I don't buy into that, into that narrative at all. Um, you know, this Browns team, we saw them last week fight, you know, didn't deal with the Ravens. They have some dynamic players, you know, on the outside. They have a good rushing attack, and then they have Miles Garrett. So, you know, the, that formula right there allows for them to, to have some margin of error, whereas the Giants on their end are out their top cornerback, are out their, their starting quarterback, and really need to play a, a very fundamentally sound game and not make any mistakes. And, and listen, it could happen. You know, we saw them do it against Seattle, who I think is a much, much better team than Cleveland. But I just don't know if they're able to, to do it again. You know, were they able to do it one time and surprise us? I, I think doing it another time is going to be really, really hard. Kansas City, New Orleans, Drew Brees is back for this game. Um... A, is he back too soon? And B, this is a vital game for both squads. And for me, 
I'm just skeptical. When you have that amount of injuries and that severe injuries, which Drew Brees had, this seems like a recipe for Kansas City pulling off a larger-than-expected victory. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that Drew Brees is one hit away from going on the sidelines and not coming back into the game and potentially being out the rest of the year and maybe into the playoffs. So I think New Orleans kind of feels the desperation a bit. They, they think that they have the advantage playing at home. You know, a veteran quarterback who doesn't take a lot of hits to begin with, so they think they probably can be able to, to do that. I think we'll see a lot of Taysom Hill in this game. Um, as well, whether that's in, in the quarterback position or in those or those uh, packages they have. Um, I think the Saints are going to want to run the ball too, get back to, to that ground game. Um, but I think that your Breeze is finding himself in a situation right now where you know you're playing a team that you have to put up 27, 30 points just to beat. And I just don't know if the Saints are explosive enough right now with uh, this version of Drew Breeze and don't Michael Thomas to be able to make it happen. Are we headed towards Kansas City-Pittsburgh as the AFC Championship game? I, I don't know if Pittsburgh is going to get there, to be honest with you. They, they've been looking pretty bad the last couple of weeks. And Buffalo took it to them. And the Ravens took it to them. And Washington took it to them. You know, so I think if Pittsburgh comes up against Buffalo again in the playoffs, or even an Indianapolis team that is tough on the line of scrimmage, um, it's going to be a tough game for them. So I don't necessarily think that uh, Pittsburgh is destined to be in an uh, AFC championship game. They have the advantage right now that they have the division pretty much locked up. Um, you know, they have Cleveland the last week of the season. Natty this week, which you think is an automatic win. Um, but, but no, I don't think that Pittsburgh is destined to be there. I think teams like Buffalo and Indianapolis would present a, a, a great a great threat to them to get anywhere, you know, close to that. That would be a cool rematch. <laughs> um, excuse me, that would be a, a, a cool rematch if we are destined for a um, C, um, uh, Pittsburgh-Buffalo divisional round game or something like that. Uh, would be very, uh, very interesting. Um, and Buffalo's, Buffalo's beaten in the last uh, two meetings, so... Yeah. I... I think, you know, Buffalo and Indianapolis, both are two teams that I think could present some issues for Pittsburgh. Are you going to even have any young member? Now, obviously, you have a niece who's a newborn, so she won't be watching the Nickelodeon version of that AFC wildcard game, the 425 AFC wildcard game on that Sunday of wildcard weekend. But will you be recommending it to anybody who has young kids to watch the Nickelodeon version of that game? Uh, probably not, no. <laughs> this, look, Sean McManus of CBS has promised that the actual game will look like a normal football game. This is only for replays and going to breaks and stuff that they'll Nickelodeon it with SpongeBob and stuff. But this, this to me, look, it, clearly there's some market research groups out there who think there's an audience for this. I'm not sure where it is. But if that's what the NFL wants to do and it's a secondary broadcast, nobody said you have to watch it, um, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe something fun if you have a kid, you know, to, to, to turn on and, and, and watch. But I, I don't know what the appetite is for a normal football fan to, to sit down and watch that, to be honest. But, you know, 
I'm not six years old or seven years old watching the football games anymore, so <laughs> who knows? Yes, who knows? Um, trust me, I've learned more about Paw Patrol uh, and, and uh, God, something with trucks in the name in the last couple of years from my little cousins than I, than I ever thought I would. Um, any last thoughts, either betting or just general football thoughts as we head into this weekend? No, I think we have a great slate of games today, um, you know, both NFL and college, and we're going to have an interesting Sunday. You know, it's, it's that time of year where every single game, it, it matters. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things going on, both, you know, from the if you're a fancy, you know, player, you know, from a fancy perspective, and then obviously you have, um, you know, the playoffs and everything else like that. So I think it's going to be a fun weekend, and um, the next couple of weeks, too. I think we have, what, football on Friday next week, and then Saturday, and then Sunday, and then Monday. So um, a lot of football the next couple of weeks, um, you know, to, to, to digest, and then, you know, we'll come out of the new year and see what we have for playoffs. Yes, you have a Christmas game between Minnesota and New England, uh, sorry, uh, uh, New Orleans, and then you have